Hello and welcome back to another episode on the Scattered Abroad Joint Podcast. We're glad that you're with us today. Don't forget you can check out our show notes for our social media as well as giving us a rating and a review. That would be very helpful as we try to reach out to more people in this world and give them the opportunity to hear the gospel. As always, if you have questions or concerns, you can email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. And we want to remember to ask you to sign up for our email list if you haven't done that as well. We'd like you to be directed to the Scattered Abroad website, which is scatteredabroad.org, and you can sign up there, as well as look at all of the other things pertaining to the network. We're grateful that we have Lima Asene, Brother Daniel Webster, as well as Brother Caleb Rutherford, all these good brothers that are on here with me on another episode of this year of talking about scattering the seed, and today we're talking about with our enemies. Now, we don't live in a time that was medieval to where, you know, you had to really have a sword and be worried about someone coming after you and always knowing how to protect yourself. And so it's harder for us at times to grasp the idea of having an enemy in the sense of what we might read about in the Old Testament. When we read the word enemy in the Old Testament, we're talking about a group of people, a nation or an army that is coming after the Israelite people to enslave them, to you know desecrate them, whatever it might be. Uh, Babylon was described as such a horrible nation in their treatment of people to where even when the first captivity took place, they left old men behind because they had no value to them. And so they basically left them to die. And you think about the harshness of that, and that was what Babylon was known for. So as we think about 2022, and we're looking at our world today, we have enemies. Our country has enemies. Our world has enemies. But we're not talking about a physical enemy, are we? We're talking about the idea of enemies from a spiritual perspective in the sense of we may have disagreements with this person, but we're still expected to try to show them the gospel. And that makes things very difficult. And so the first question we have to kind of discuss is, do enemies make it harder to plant the seed? Yes. (laughs) Next question. Um, We all agree on that. All right, let me ask you this way. Why (laughs) do enemies make it harder to— Yes. No, I'm kidding. Um, No, I I agree. I think in in some sense, yes, um, it it does make it that much more difficult because I think all of us are individuals. I think most people are individuals who shy away from confrontation. Nobody likes having to come face-to-face with somebody and, you know, have that hard and difficult um, conversation. But that shouldn't be something that turns us away from the challenge either because you and I know that if we were ever in a state where we needed to be told that we need to change or add something to our lives, that we certainly wouldn't want to be told that. And so we need to make sure that we don't shy away from that. But also we need to look at our enemies, those people who disagree with us, um, with the vision, with the eyesight, that they're just as much valuable mm-hmm. in God's eyes mm-hmm. as we are. Yeah. Um, and until we understand that, until we look at people around us and understand that Jesus died for them just as much as he died for us, um, well, I, I think it'll make it that much more difficult for us because it's already a difficult task, but for us to make it even harder for our, ourselves, mm-hmm. um, something that definitely we don't need to do. And it goes back to being like selfless as a Christian, right? Like, right. Because yeah. nobody, like you're saying, nobody wants to have those fights. Right. Like, and hopefully they don't become like fights for real, uh, like physically or like verbally, anything like that. Right. But nobody wants to have those awkward conversations just naturally. At least most of us don't. So, as Christians, we have to remember, I'm dead to self, right? Yeah. Christ is my life now. Colossians three verse four, Galatians two verse twenty. I've right. been crucified with Him, and that has, I mean far-reaching implications for really everything about our lives, including dealing with our enemies. I mean, Galatians 4 verse 12, right? I become your enemy, or Galatians 4 16, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Right. And 
sometimes that can happen. You know, it seems like it happened with Paul, but it's still our responsibility as, as people who are trying to be selfless, people who are trying to be like Jesus and let him live through us Mm -hmm. to still spread, you know, the truth. Yeah, and you, yeah, go oh, ahead. Go ahead go no, ahead. no. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, was Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Do yeah. good to those who hate you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a challenge. Yep. And another uh, way that I think about it is, is sometimes your enemy is someone who's trying to stop you from studying with someone else. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and. I hate that, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's like, you're getting in the way of this study, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and, and they have a soul sure. and, and, and we have to reach it. Yeah. We experienced those problems when I was in Somerville with the prison ministry. We had a chaplain that was not a member of the church and he almost always made it difficult on us. Like we, we had to drive 30 minutes to get to the prison when we would go there and we would call ahead to ask if they were in lockdown because if they're in lockdown, you're not getting in. There's no point right. in driving all the way out there. So we called at 1130, and they said, you're good to come on. We show up at noon and or around 1230-ish or whatever, and I was supposed to go that week, and I had been gone all day the day before traveling back from Sir. So I'm kind of tired, but I'm, I'm excited to get to be with these people. We get there around 1230, and they go, oh, we're in lockdown. And we've been in lockdown since 9 o'clock. And we said, well, we called at 1130 and spoke to the chaplain, and he said that you weren't in lockdown. Well, he knew we were. And it, it, you, you start to look at it and go, so did we just drive an hour total because we teach something that this person doesn't agree with? Or the times where we would have someone that wanted to have a, a baptism, and they would have someone else baptize them and from another denomination, and they would say, well, they've been baptized. And I said, but look, we teach fundamentally different things about baptism so by what we understand about the scriptures, they haven't been baptized, and they asked us to come and do it. We come all this right. way, and you have this enemy mindset, like you said, that's keeping you from doing what you're supposed to do and commanded to do, and it is, it's a frustrating thing. But Daniel pointed out, crucified with Christ, he was crucified by his enemies, and yet on the cross, he said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. Yeah. So if Jesus can say that, that you said far-reaching implications, if I've been truly crucified with him, I have to also be willing to basically look at the enemies and say, no matter how difficult you make it, no matter how much you're going to be in my face and make my life miserable, I'm still going to preach the gospel. Right. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1, we've yeah. stated it before. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How yeah. did Jesus treat his enemies? You know, with yeah, that love right. and respect. Um, and so definitely we need to look at, look at uh, our enemies with the same mindset. Yeah, kind of going like, from a, from a different aspect, I guess, of this, I was thinking of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, where it says that God resists the proud but mm-hmm. gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. So if you look into that word resist and you look at how like they used it back in the first century when this letter was being written, it was a military term. Yeah. So they used it to refer to like arranging in battle sure. against someone. Sure. So mm-hmm. if you have that like image in your mind of God arranging in battle against you, God is your enemy at that point. Which is just terrifying. I mean, James four verse four, right? You've you have enmity with God. You've made him your enemy mm-hmm. if you have friendship with the world. So, kind of a different aspect of this is we have to be so careful that we don't have pride creep into our hearts and make ourselves the enemy of God. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's it's just pride is maybe the easiest thing to just yeah. let slip. And in. a lot of times too, talking about pride, I think you can end up looking at your enemies with this idea of. 
I'm better than you. Right, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. an, I'm superior. I think you may have said that in a different episode, Daniel. But you, we've got to understand, and again, this goes back to how we view people. We see people as a soul that Jesus died for, one that he created and that he died for just like you and I are. Um, and until we see that value in people, uh, it's, it's our, our works are not going to be fruitful mm-hmm. um, with our enemies in that yeah. way. And I think we have to look at the people who faced real struggles with enemies. We have to ask the question of how did they approach it? How did they handle it? You know, anytime an opponent in a sport is attacked, you know, they, they ask, what's the weakness? What can we exploit? Right. Yes. Well, when I study like Psalm 3 and I find what David writes where he's fleeing from his own son, his son is his enemy. Absalom's coming after him. And he says in Psalm 3, 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me there is no help for him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. Yeah. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. And then he says in verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Mm. Basically, 10,000 to 1, I like my odds. As long as God's on my side. That's right. right. I like my odds. I like my chances. And and what Caleb said there, you know, we can say, I know that I'm better than my enemies if it's not in an arrogant way, if we say, because I have God. That's right. I know that I don't have to stoop down to the level. You know, any of us that have ever been bullied, if we know that the person that's bullying us is only bullying us because they themselves are having a difficult home life— it's a little bit easier to handle with that. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing anything, you know, dealing with anything themselves, and they're just picking on you to pick on you, it makes it more difficult. With David, he says, but because I have God, no matter how many people are in front of me, no matter how much the opposition rages against me, I don't worry. Right. I'm not concerned. Yeah, I'm fleeing from my life. I am running. You know, I can't just stand there and say, God, save me from everyone. But I'm not concerned about where I'm at in life. And for many of us, if we found ourselves with someone, and, and just being honest— our enemies are not Absalom, you know, who's coming to try to take our kingdom and kill us. Our enemies are people who don't like us. Our enemies are people who say something about us that they don't appreciate. And then we sit there and we basically act like we have this horrible lot in life that we have an enemy who's really just somebody who doesn't like us for some reason. But David says, hey, come at me. You can come get me. I, I don't care. And if I have that mindset of no matter what happens around me, no matter what takes place in my life, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. Then my enemies won't be hard for me to go and try to share the gospel with, even if they make it harder. And I, I think about um, another example, First Kings 18, looking mm-hmm. at Elijah and the prophets on yeah. Mount Carmel, where he says there, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, and there's 450 prophets of Baal. Um, and I think about the movie, um, this series, The Hunger Games, the phrase, may the odds be ever in your favor, mm-hmm. right? Well, with God on our side, the odds are always in our right. favor. Yeah. And as faithful Christians, that can give us all the confidence and all the hope in the world that we could ever need. If God is to, for us. Right, to go out yeah. and do right. what we need to do. Um, and I think I go, Matthew 10 and verse 28, talking about not fearing those who can yeah. um, destroy the, the body, but rather fear him, talking about God who can destroy both right. body and soul in hell. And so the fear that we need to have towards God is far greater than any kind of fear that yeah. we might ever even have towards those around us. Man, that's such a cool thought where like kind of you were talking about that phrase that was uh, pops up over and over again in the Bible, but God. And you were yeah. kind of talking about it from yeah. a, a positive, yeah. from our perspective, a positive light. Caleb kind of brings up the, the negative light from our perspective of 
but God, he's there and it, he's going to repay no matter how we, you know, depending on how we act, he's going to repay. So Psalm, th- Psalm three, David says, I'm in trouble, but you, oh right. Lord, you're my shield. Um, Ephesians two verse four, right? But God, who's rich in mercy. mercy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it goes both ways. R- Romans 11 verse 33, he has wrath. He's also good, right? He's a, he's a good he's a good God. He's also an angry God at some points, and it just depends on on how we act with him. I think about uh, Joshua chapter five verses thirteen through fifteen. If you look back, uh, it's it's the, the figure who calls himself the commander of the armies of the Lord. Well, he actually accepts worship, right? He says that the the ground on which Joshua is standing is holy ground. So most people would say that that is an, an epiphany of God. It's Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, before he actually was Jesus, right? But he came in the flesh. So with that said, what's really interesting to me is that Joshua asks this figure, he's like, whose side are you on? Are you for us or against us? And this is right before they're about to, about to attack mm-hmm. Jericho. And the response from this commander of the army of the Lord is, no. <laughs> Are you for us or against us? No. And so when I read that, I think, man, God doesn't take sides. Like, it, it's not like God is on someone's side or someone else's side. Right. It's either I'm on God's side or I'm not. Yeah. And God's yeah. going to act the same point. way either way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I think about um, having enemies, it presents us with opportunity. Uh, when you have the opportunity to love them, right, to exercise that, to challenge yourself, you know, I need to love this person just like Jesus said, Number two, you also have the opportunity to make this, the truth stand out. You mentioned Elijah. Yes, he was battling those enemies, but to the glory of God, right. you know, um, God was glorified through what he did. So, mm. so in a sense, they do make it hard, but they also present us with an opportunity. Right. To well, and you look that. at the end of 1 Kings 18, you mentioned mm. their reaction to it after Elijah's um, sacrifice was consumed with fire. Verse 39, it says, now when all the people saw it, what they do? They fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is, he God. is God. The Lord, mm. he is God. And the next chapter is something that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about because right after this great victory, Elijah says, God, just kill me. Just take my life. It's enough. I'm I'm fed up. You know, I'm I'm being threatened and I would rather die than live another day dealing with these problems. So our enemies can get the better of us sometimes. Sure. They can put us in a position where yes, it makes it harder to plant the seed because Jezebel says, "I will do, you know what? I'm going to do exactly to you what you did to them or I'm going to die." Right. And for Elijah, he knows she's got the opportunity. She has the army, she has the ability, and she has the wherewithal to come after me. And he just essentially says to God, well, if you kill me, I won't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And God's response was, I'm not doing that. You need to rest, you need to eat, you need to drink some water, and then you need to get back on the journey because right now the journey is too great for you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when our enemies do get in our way and then make it harder for us to plant, we need to stop for a moment and have a little bit of a respite, you know, a rest. Uh, Even in a boxing match, there's a break between rounds, and we need to remember that sometimes it's okay to say, I need a breather. I need to sit down, collect myself, and then get back and go on. But we, we move to our next question, which is, do our enemies even deserve a chance to hear the gospel? And I think there's a hard, hard question within that of, I have to be willing to share it with them. The people who have wronged me and the people that I have wronged would have to be willing to share it with me. And I know that I've not been a perfect person. All of us at the table could say that. We've well, not been perfect people. No. Yeah, right. Uh, get off. Get off the program. Yeah. Um, all of us can say, you know, we've made perfect. mistakes. And, 
yet, at the same time, we never think of ourselves as the enemy, do we? Right. We never put ourselves, but we were. We were the enemy of Christ, weren't we? Sure. Mm. And so, do they deserve a chance to hear the gospel? Can I read Romans 5, 6 sure. through 10? I thought yeah. you were going to say the whole chapter. Yeah, okay. sure. <laughs> can I read Romans? Can I read the book of Romans? Yes. No. <laughs> um, man, this is, I feel like we just can't say it better than this. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God, there's our phrase, demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. If God does that for us, we have to do that for others. Yeah. Right. I think about First Timothy two four, where God says, "Who desires all men to come to a knowledge of the truth." Second Peter three verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some may count slackness, but is long-suffering to who? Toward towards us, that that all men everywhere would come to to an idea, uh, an attitude of repentance. So, um, do I said even Michael, even Michael, (laughs) even even uh, even all of us. He knows I'm hosting this episode, right? (laughs) (laughs) Daniel doesn't get to do any more questions today. You're the youngest. You're the youngest on the network. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Now I want to take it to David again because we're told David's a man after God's own heart, and in Second Samuel chapter 18 when the battle is basically coming to a close between David and Absalom, David gives a command to Joab, and he says, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. Don't kill him. Now, we know what happens is Joab and and the rest of the army, they kill him anyway. And David is distraught by that. Now, here's something that needs to be discussed. Absalom had blasphemed God. by taking a throne that was not his to take down in Hebron. He had done things that were an abomination to do and be involved in, and he did so in just broad daylight in the opening of everything, made a play for the kingdom, and basically told David, I'm coming for your throne next. And David was on the run from his own son. I can't fathom. I've got a four-year-old boy. I cannot fathom him growing up and saying, I want to kill you. I want to take your life and take everything that you have for myself. That's what David dealt with. And David still says in 2 Samuel 18, don't kill him. Leave him alive. Right. And I find that that idea of a man after God's own heart in that phrase because David has every right to say, you know what? You make an example out of Absalom. You tell everyone in all of this kingdom and the kingdom surrounding us, don't you mess with David. Don't you mess with me because I'm not a king to be messed with. And yet he says, I still want my son even though he's been my enemy, I still want my son to come home to me. Mm. And God simply says the same thing that Daniel just read was, you're my enemies, but don't kill them. I still want you. I still want you to have an opportunity. And something that needs to be remembered too in the same book of Romans, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, we're told that when we present the gospel to people, we present the gospel of peace. And so when we Mm. go before our enemies... I'm to bring the gospel of peace, and therefore I'm supposed to be the peacemaker in that situation right. of saying, mm-hmm. let's fix this. Yeah, you don't come in guns blazing yeah. saying, you know, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this yeah. wrong, and this is where you're going to end up because you do it. No, you have to do it. Ephesians 4.15, preach the truth in love. Um, and, and then, I again, I go back to the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. Mm-hmm. How would you want to be presented with that, right? If you're mm-hmm. doing something wrong, you don't want someone coming in there mistreating you and talking, you know, d- belittling you and downgrading. You want them to tell you what to do but in love with the right attitude and, and the, right. Right, uh, the right motive. And so that's how we need to treat other people too. 
And again, with David, you, you think about when Saul was trying to kill David, and David has Saul right where he wants yeah. him. He can kill Saul and just end it all. Right. Cuts a little piece of his garment off instead. And I really wish I could have been there this day <laughs> and seen David going, hey, you see this right here? I totally could have killed you just now, right. but I didn't. And that's the idea that David knew that while it was within his right to defend himself, he said, I'm not going to kill the Lord's anointed. Yeah. Okay, take that idea, Lord's anointed, for a second, and let's just make it a little bit more modern for us. Has God not appointed all of the world to be able to be saved and therefore is willing to anoint all of us with salvation? Absolutely. And why would I then treat any enemy like they're worthy of, of not having life mm. when David himself says, if God has anointed him as his own, I'm not going to do that. Well, if right. God has yeah. said any one of these people can be saved, I can't let some petty disagreement or some petty matter keep me from preaching the gospel. Mm. Yes, I might have a disagreement with the person. We might have share some words. That happens. Sometimes we get the better of our own selves. But I need to come back and tell that person, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Let's fix this. Just like David said, just like we're talking about where God himself is saying, I want everyone to be saved. Yeah. I don't want everyone to perish. I want everyone to have the opportunity to become a Christian. Yeah. And yet we come to the last question, and we have a problem because we don't usually humanize our enemies. We usually look at them as this entity. You know, they're, they're an evil being that needs to be stopped and needs to be uh, basically put out to pasture. And we simply look at them as, no, you're not really worthy of anything. So how can we humanize our enemies and see the soul that is within them? I, I go back to Romans chapter 5 that was read. And for when we were enemies, mm. we were reconciled to God or make peace again with God uh, through Jesus and, and that, that that tells me it's through love, right? Because yeah. you go back to um, uh, a few verses prior to that, God demonstrated mm. his love yeah. through through Jesus dying on the cross for us. So we have to love like Jesus loved. You know, he, he loved his enemies. Um, Peter tried to get in the way through his sword. <laughs> Jesus said, don't you think I can call yeah. legions of angels to yeah. fight my enemies? Yeah. But that's not was it wasn't his purpose. He he came yeah. to save everyone, yes, in, including our enemies. Right. And, and I, that's how we should go mm. about it as well. And yeah. I think we we've touched on this already, but I think there has to be self-reflection in this too, understanding yes. that uh, very very quickly we could be in the position that they are in um, yeah. if, if we're not living the right kind of life. And so yeah. there has to be that kind of that that period, that grace mm. and mercy we show towards yeah. our enemies because um we very well could have could be there where they are and like michael said we have been there at yeah. one point in time before we gave ourselves uh to christ through baptism and mm-hmm. so we just ha- we have to have that that grace and that mercy towards those around us not not compromising the truth and we've talked about that already in a previous episode but um in a firm enough way uh but to also know that you know without the grace and mercy of god we wouldn't be where we are at therefore let's show that to, to our enemies Empathy and imitation, right? right. Empathy yeah. with them, imitation of Jesus. Yeah. Sure. Man, I think about, you know, we talked about David a good bit in this episode, and for good reason, because he had, he had enemies, but he had such a beautiful heart, you know? Right. Um, man, I was thinking about t- kind of tying in with Judas and stuff. So in John 13, verse 18, Jesus said that the scripture had to be fulfilled when it came to Judas. And he cites Psalm 41 and verse 9, where David says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, most people believe that when David wrote Psalm 41, he was dealing with Absalom. 
So my own familiar friend, not just my son, my friend has lifted up his heel against me. In other words, he's like a horse who throws off its rider and then like stomps on him. You know, it's like insult to injury type thing or injury to insult. Well, then you fast forward to Psalm 55 and has kind of the same background. David is betrayed. His kingdom's in danger again. But this time, the psalm is referring to a different betrayer. And so it's talking about Ahithophel, David's David's trusted advisor, his friend, this guy who's with him through thick and thin. And then, again, it's applied to Judas, where this his own familiar friend, this, this close person who he trusts, Psalm 55, verse 12, it says, For it's not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. So kind of tying tying all this in, it's the thought that, yeah, it, this is like, these are normal people. Like, these are people in my life, you know, who, if I just made one decision here, one decision there, just a little bit different, that very well could be me and you know, I want to have that empathy, that golden rule mindset of saying, maybe it, maybe it is me. You know, maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe it could have been me. And I want to treat you the way I want, I want, and and need and deserve to be treated. Well, and ultimately, who put Christ on the cross? I mean, yeah. we ourselves did. Even yeah. though we are now in a saved state, it was our past sins, yeah. um, just like our enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, we're in no no greater position than they are yeah. um, when we look at it from that perspective. Imagine if you know, like in a, a show like American Idol or something, where you, people vote for the person they want to see going on. If every single person we've ever gotten to know was able to vote on whether we were an enemy or a friend to them, imagine for all of us what our score might be. Now, I know with quite certainty that there is going to be, if if I had that type of a report, there will be people that say, he's my enemy. Mm. There will be people that say, he's my friend. Same if I voted on anyone else and, you know, was able to do that. What we don't realize is on the day of judgment, that's what happens. On the day of judgment, God looks at us and says, based on how you've treated me, based on how you've lived for me or not lived for me, is whether or not I'm going to put you in the friend or enemy category. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a haunting thought sometimes to ask the question, because I think sometimes we just kind of get so, you know, complacent to the idea of, Nobody knows. Nobody sees me. I can I can do this and it not matter. I, we went to Branson last year, and while we were there, this guy, I, I wanted to help my mom and dad enjoy a night, so I, I paid for tickets, VIP tickets, to an area of the theater, and we were just going to enjoy the time that we had with them. I left to go get some concessions, and when I came back, this guy was sitting in my section, and he said... <laughs> um, this, these are our tables. I said, well, I paid for these tables. And he said, oh, you did? And he's eating popcorn. And I mean, he's just being a jerk. And I said, yeah, I did. And he said, oh, that's, well, we're all together. And so in that moment, I made a little bit of a, a bad choice. I said, that's okay. I bought the three tables down there too, you know, flexing. And so we went and we sat down. But then later in the show, they go, do we have any veterans here tonight? Lo and behold, that man stands up. And I told my dad afterwards, I said, I've never begrudging the clap for a veteran before tonight. But I did not feel comfortable clapping for him in that moment because it was like, you didn't treat me like you should have. But the mindset that hit me was, man, that man served for my country. He served for me to have freedom and all of this. I should be able to set aside the fact that he sat in my seat. Right. You know, I shouldn't let that be. Now, that's a good story for me to have the rest of my life. But dad said, yeah, you're right. It's, It's sometimes hard to 
you know, applaud the people that have done good things when you see the way that they behave and the way that they are. And we need to be careful that we don't make enemies out of petty matters. Yeah. That man, for the rest of his life, will never remember me more than likely. I'll remember the story, but I shouldn't remember him as an enemy as much as I should remember, man, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know that man had served my country. And I treated him like my enemy. I treated him like, man, you stole my seat. When I had three other tables I could have easily sat down at and not even said anything about it. But no, I needed to sit by my dad. Right. Who cares? And if we're not careful, we will become so petty and make enemies out of every little thing and then miss the point that, like we've said all throughout this episode, we're enemies of Christ when we disobey and when we're transgressing. And we were without strength, and he died for us. We were the enemy, and he pushed us out of the way of a speeding car and took that for us. And sometimes that we 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 do do that to each other. We uh, we divide over petty matters, yeah. you know. And, and yeah, even 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 when someone is being um, disciplined uh, by the church, uh, sometimes we just cross that person out, mm-hmm. like oh, no talking, no yeah. no nothing, no communication <laughs> with them. But the Bible tells us don't count them as an enemy. Right, count them as your brother. Admonish them as yeah. brother. He's still your brother. Yeah, and I think a lot of, and like you said, you, you're kind of alluding to there, a lot of times this happens within the church, um, and it that's the last place it should happen, um, within our, our own our own families, with our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, that should be the last place mm, yeah. that we treat people like that. Um, and so it's just, it, it's tough sometimes, like Michael, you said, it's sometimes you get mistreated, um, and you get dealt a hand, and you don't, you know, that you feel like you shouldn't have been dealt. But then I also think about John 15, uh, 18 through the end of the chapter, talking about how the world hated Jesus yeah. and mistreated him. And sometimes, I, I, like you said, you kind of take a step back and you look at your the things going on, you're like, man, it's really not that big a deal, yeah. you know, um, in the big picture. So That's right. Well, we're very thankful that you're with us this week again for this month's episode on the Scatter the Broad Joint podcast. Uh, Lord willing, next month we'll have another episode out for you with a few more questions to answer about a biblical subject, but we want to remind you that you can check out our show notes below for any of the information concerning the network and the other shows that we have that air throughout the week, the newer programs we have this year on the Scattered Abroad Network. And on behalf of everyone here at Scattered Abroad, we want to thank you so much and God bless. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network. And we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.